Hey there, this is Fred Pissarro, and you're listening to Metal Matters, the official Gimme Metal podcast, where we explore all things new, some things classic, but all things heavy, with my co-host, Michael Bernan. So nice that we had to do it twice. Well, not really, but you get the idea. Today on Metal Matters, we bring you the second installment of our conversation with Dylan Walker of Full of Hell. We touched on all kinds of stuff on last week's episode, and today is no exception. We get into the nitty-gritty about the lifestyle of underground artists, the impact of music criticism, and the scariest things they've ever seen at shows. So kick back, settle in, and enjoy the wild ride that is Dylan Walker Part 2. I mean, I respect some good shit talk, but when it comes down to it, like when it's like that, I don't think my feelings on reviews are kind of weird because there's a a certain level of criticism where even if it's like fucking brutal, like I, 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 it hurts to hear it, but I'm glad to hear it because it's like the kind of thing that when, whenever like I go and make the next record, like I take to heart and I try to correct. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But then Definitely. Yeah. So opinions are, everybody's allowed. All yeah. opinions are but valid. But then there's like too. this other level where like, it is this really kind of like cutting personal comments that like just live in my head and like make me feel like, just make me feel worthless, you know? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. I think, um, I think the problem with a lot of reviews, I think a lot of reviews are really mm-hmm. bad. Okay. And I think the problem with that is because of what the the music journalist has to be, you know, we have to be an expert on everything, you know? And sometimes, sometimes, you know, like I could be like the fucking twee indie guy and then I get sent the full of hell Mersbau like record and like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? You know what I'm saying? Like, it should be like, just like, just like you were saying, listening to records should, and, and listening to records should be in context, you know, reviewing records, same. You can't have, you have to have someone who knows the scene and knows the world in order to review it, you know? And I think that's kind of, it's kind of the problem with a lot of, a, a lot of, um, a lot of sites. They want to jump in. They want to be a part of the conversation, but you have to do the due diligence, bro. It seems like I also noticed like, like obviously the brutal reviews are the ones that we are not going to like the most, but I also feel like on the flip side, a lot of these outlets, they want so badly to be able to declare like, this is the next big thing. These guys are fucking geniuses. And, and like, it's just as bad. Is it really a 10 record? Are they really reinventing the wheel? We get that shit all the time. And it's just like, I can think of, you know, 10 bands that came before us that were pretty much doing exactly the same thing we're doing. And it makes, it's just the same thing on the flip side is what I'm saying. It's yeah. almost like an, an adjective soup that is just like, you, I mean, you can't literally think every record you review is like a 10 out of 10. It's just like, it's too much. I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying into it. Yeah. I think I, you know, but I, mean? I think that's a, I, that's a push pull, you know, like what it is, is like, oh, I, 
for me anyway, you know, like, cause you guys know me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put out there like for a long time I was doing like, these are the bands to look out for or whatever, you know, and I put them out there and some of them would stick. And then I would have to write about them over and over because they were sticking, you know? Um, so that could, that's, that is part of it, but I don't know, whatever. At the end of the day though, I mean, my takeaway though is, is honestly like, I'm, I expect bad reviews and they're fine. And like, you're totally entitled to your opinion. And I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Like it's, it's going to hurt my feelings sometimes, but yeah, I mean, if you, who, why would it not hurt your feelings? You know what I mean? If it's your art and you care about it genuinely mm-hmm. as you should, that shit mm-hmm. should hurt your feelings. And like, that's just part Damn. of the fucking game. People are going to talk I shit mean, on you, especially if you play underground music. Big like, time. Yeah. Big time. I mean, I want to know, what I'm doing right. And I want to know what I'm doing wrong and like where we have room to improve and where we should just kind of like, and where we can kind of like hone what's already good, you know, like that, 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 that's where like reviews are kind of useful for me. But, you know, cause like at the end of the day, if you just have everybody blowing smoke up your ass all the fucking time and saying you're the best band in the world, then like, why would you ever work on something? You just, I mean, that's when you jump yeah. the shark. Yeah. You think you shit gold. Uh, yeah. I actually, we have learned, I think we've learned a lot from the bad reviews. And I, I think it's also been like more valuable than what we've learned musically is um, in general, just learning to have yeah. thicker skin. Cause you know, I never really thought of myself as someone with thin skin, but I think I've got thin skin. I think shit bothers me, you know? And like, yeah. I've, I've done well to not look, look for it anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it just kind of toughens toughens you up a little bit, you know. You got to you got to be able to see what it is sometimes, and and really like digest it, you know, and, and mean, not let it like destroy you or make you yeah, fucking cry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just don't. I you know, like I I, I guess um, I don't know. I I understand why you guys would get upset about it, you know. But at the same time, like, I mean, you guys know, in your music is not palatable to most people. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's just the nature of the beast um using that same equation i mean by law you know i would imagine it's probably more than likely uh someone who's whether they're into music or not is probably not going to understand what you're doing yeah you know? just like basic mathematics about I think everything's so compartmentalized now though and everybody is has so much information readily available that a lot of the people that end up reviewing our music for big outlets are people that have seen a lot of the cultures that we kind of inhabit. So yeah. that's why it kind of might cut a little more because the guy that's reviewing us probably does fucking know everything that we're going for and doesn't think we're pulling it yeah. off. You know, yeah. that's when, that's when you start to take it a little more seriously. Uh, uh, right. I got a, I've had a budding theory in my head and just like, let me know if you think there's some credence to this. So like, the last couple of years, I've kind of been noticing like more just from my like perspective, um, maybe more like acceptance from from like general like extreme music lovers for full of hell that might not have been there a few years before. Like people that might not have thought we were kind of the real deal. I, I feel like slowly maybe there's more of the people that are kind of accepting it. Dude, one million is, percent. Yeah, my, here's my question. Yeah. Do you think that if a band just sticks around long enough and maintains some level of like, okay, or whatever, whether they get better or not, 
me and Spencer have this idea that like kids age out. And when young kids come in, we've already fucking been here for so long that those kids literally don't know any better. So like, I guess that's my question. Do bands become more legit just from sticking around almost? I, I, I think so. I mean, you know? I think to a degree. Yeah. You know, like wild, like, yeah, yeah. you I guys are considered like, I, I mean, let's look at, let's, you know, like as is, if, if, let's think about it, you know, like you're not as somebody who's uh, like, I don't know any of the music. Right. I look at who you've toured with, you know, that's, that's a fucking, that's a yeah. fucking like, long, impressive list. And it's yeah. almost like the illusion. It's almost like the illusion. It becomes like a manifested reality over time because the people that, you know, have something to hate on kind of burn out or don't care anymore about it or whatever. And then these new kids don't know any better. And they, all they see is this, tenured list of activities that look cool that we've yeah. done. I'm just starting to get the feeling like there's an element at play where it's like, if you stick around for a while, like it, cause I'm, cause I'm wondering all these questions, like, like at what point was Napalm death, like accepted as this, like, you know, really foundational fucking band or swans or any of these fucking bands that we love or neurosis or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. Think there's, there is some element there that I can't quite, you know, put a clear label on that has to do with, just the fact that we've been a band for over 10 years. I think about this all the time. And it like, it, it's a big part of conversations with like bands and like people who have been around for a long time, like, you know, um, or, and like, and people a lot, you know, a lot older than me and swans are like the fucking like perfect example. I, actually, no, napalm death is kind of like the perfect example where Late Napalm Death are like an institution, right? But they've definitely had their lulls. Yeah, and for sure. The, like the fact is, I think that tastes from like kind of like the general pot, like hoi polloi, are going to shift. Like sometimes they're they're going to gravitate more one way than another. You know? Yeah. If 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 you don't fucking give up and you just keep on doing like making records that you believe in then eventually like sometimes like the masses yeah sometimes you'll catch it at the right moment other times it won't be you know and a record like you know won't get the same traction that maybe it would have like a few years like a few years before a few years after like i look at those 90s swans records dude nobody gave a shit about swans like by that time yeah. 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 And now, and now those... Latter day, every Latter day record was like a bomb to me, at least or in a good way. Like, a, like a yeah. big deal. Definitely. Definitely. And all, and all of, and in retrospect, like all of those nineties records have gotten like critically reappraised. And so like, that's like, you hear people say like, Oh yeah. Fucking like, you know, white light from the mouth of infinity is their favorite record. You know, it's like that record. Everybody fucking hated that when it came out. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, yeah. I love that record. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, it is interesting though. And pitchfork does that too with uh, when they retcon reviews or just like when they go back and they're like, well, we gave this a three, but it's actually a 10 now. Like yeah. Five years, 30 years later. I think people tend to gravitate towards like, um, you know, genuine vibes. And I think, even with bands, this is another thing I've been thinking about for the last few years now, um, because I always notice that when like a band with a really grassroots following that's super DIY signs up to like a major 
or like just a really big label, like, like an epitaph or something like that. No diss to them. Yeah. They always like, I always get this feeling like they just fucking fall off and disappear. And I think there's some, there's like a level of, because the music is so underground and, and like every part of the culture is all about like, you know, person to person connection and all that shit. I think it behooves a band that's super underground, like a uniform or a full of hell to never fucking sign to a giant label to keep it super fucking DIY and, mm-hmm. and to like really engage with like their small fan base. Like, I feel like you get so much more out of it. I feel like that's the only way you actually stand a shot is if you treat it like a really tiny little, yeah. you know, a little person to person business. That's when it continues to matter to people when they yeah. feel like they're gunning for something and, 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 and there's no like uh, corporation between them. I don't get yeah. why a band wants to go like super, super pro some big ass label. I feel like it almost like kills the vibe. And I think for uniform and full of hell style band, our music is such a niche already that I don't think we'd be doing ourselves any favors signing up to like, I don't know. Yeah. Giant ass label. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of kind of complicated feelings about it because a big, a big part of me is like, yeah, like kind of signing up for this lifestyle is signing up for like a degree of like, you know, living hand to mouth and yeah. like Easter insecurity. Famine. Yeah. But, yeah. and I'm also kind of like, if you can make playing music your job, like, and you can make money playing music, however, like fucking good for you, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I do think that like, I, I do think that like, if you're willing to do that and like, uh, like, in or and like in order to do that, like you have to um, compromise yourself artistically. Then it's never fucking worth it. Exactly, like, man. Like yeah. it's like one of those things. Like, hey, dude, it's like a paradox. If you want to, yeah. If you want to make up, make money, fucking picking up session work or fucking like writing jingles or like you know fucking like playing in like you know, like playing like the backing band for like Lady Gaga or like whatever, then like, great. Like that, that's fucking awesome. Like you should definitely do that, you know, but like if full of hell were like to make a record to sign to Epitaph and then make a record that sounds like three eleven because like the, the idea is exactly. Yeah. Then, then you, you've like, you played yourself. Like, yeah, this is something me and Spencer have thought about, you know, ever since we first started the band and it's really kind of crystallized in the last couple of years as well. There's this weird paradox where we're really business oriented. So, you know, we do think about money and making profits with full of hell. But before that, even before that ever comes to fruition, it has to be for like the right reasons, you know, and be like an integrity thing that we would only ever do because we think it's fucking cool to begin yeah. with. Yeah. So like, that's why we all still have, you know, side jobs and stuff. I'll always hustle in other ways because I refuse to give the dollar, like any kind of actual power over me with full of hell, because the only reason that we're anywhere to begin with is because we're doing exactly what we like and what we like are, is not like a money-making, you know, route, you know? So like, yeah. it's a total paradox. You have to like, you have to, you know, have, have it in the back of your head and, and be thinking about it, you know, and be clever, but you can't let it dictate the decisions that you make, you know, and in any sort of like artistic sense at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very much feel the same way. Like there are definitely things within, within uniform that I like 
that I do in order to like, in, in order to like monetarily capitalize. And like a lot of that has to yeah, do merch. with, yeah, exactly. It's all fucking merch. And I don't want to make 500 t-shirts. No. Sometimes, you know, I'm going to make some fucking t-shirts. Look at the body. Like our entire economy is based on screen printing. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. And, and good, that's cool. Like, I, I think, I think that is acceptable. That is a relevant accepted, you know, part of the culture. But beyond that, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to be making fucking NFTs. I, no. I wouldn't want to do like some live nation, like goofy ass tour or something like that. Like there's definitely limits. Yeah. 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 Completely agree. Uh, like I want to be like end of the day, like when I get up and like fucking have to like write this garbage, like I want to write shit that I like. I can't imagine like sitting down, trying to make a song fit into like a certain mold that like, I think is going to like, you know, get me money or like going out and playing music that I do not enjoy playing. Like, like, dude, think about like what you do fucking every night. Imagine having to do that and fucking being like, this song sucks. Why I mean, am I doing this? I've thought about that. Like personally, just, just speaking on my own experience, I would never want to fucking go on tour to be a merch guy or a tour manager or to be a scab in a band. Because to me, like playing the music that we've written that we're doing that's the only reason I would do it. I just, I just, I can't even imagine otherwise. Like I don't want to be on fucking tour generally speaking, but I love playing so much mm-hmm. with full, with my own projects. But yeah, yeah, man. Like I, I, I can't imagine, I don't know all respect to people that do do it, but just for me personally, yeah, I would never fucking do it if it wasn't like music that I, that I loved, you know? And I, th- I honestly think um, people are pretty clever. And I think, I think, I think it's visible when a band is like pulling a cash move or something, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, 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 I would definitely take scab work, you know, cause that's like kind of like this, like where like the idea of like being like a pure working musician kind of comes in where it's like, yeah. whatever, man, I'm making money fucking playing music. But like, like I, like I think that shit is like totally, totally cool. Like what oh, I yeah, wouldn't think. Yeah. What I wouldn't ever do is like to try to like make my shit flow a certain way because like I think that like I think like I think you know hey people like seem to really like Nine Inch Nails right now like yeah, let's like, make a record a that sounds joke. like Nine Inch Nails like yeah, yeah it's- that's a fucking joke man like I don't I don't know yeah I mean I really do think people can tell. Yeah, totally. I think, I think you're cheating yourself if you're going to play extreme music and you're just like, I'm going to make a buck. That should be like mm-hmm. the last priority. We never started touring to cut a profit. We literally just wanted to go. You know what I mean? And now yeah. conveniently they're aligned, but um, you can't forget about why, why, you know, you're getting this money in your hand. Like the only exactly. reason you're getting it. Yeah. So yeah. It's a yeah. Weird, that's a weird paradox, really. Yeah. I never, ever, ever, at the end of the day, it's like the band that I want to be the least in the entire world in every possible fucking way is SSD. Yeah. It's like fucking imagery politically and fucking generally like, like your general fucking motivations for like, for, for making what you made in the end, like this fucking turn that you took, like no fucking way. I'm you never know? listening to those metal records. 
<laughs> they're yeah. bad, aren't they? They're, they're unreal. Zero tracks. I've had a beautiful rhythm during COVID. You know, anxiety aside, my rhythm is just like wake up kind of when I feel like it. Generally seven in the morning for the dogs. But, yeah. you know, go about my day. And then like sometime around like seven or eight, I just like smoke a bowl and then I fall asleep by fucking 10. Easy. I'm just like yep. me every night. I'm just like, like just out so tired immediately. Oh, dude. Nice little rhythm. Dude, definitely. I mean, yo, it's fucked up. It's like. Tor's going to so fuck the, us up. Tor's going to fuck us up, man. Um, and like, dude, I, I'm like already trying to get back into like tour shape. I'm trying to like, I'm like doing vocal exercises. I'm fucking like going to the gym twice a day, like all this sh- stupid shit. Um, I've, I've never done vocal exercises. And like, sometimes when I jump back into tour, if I like talk to friends and laugh a lot the first couple of days, which generally happens, mm-hmm. I really stand a risk of like blowing my shit out. And then I have like four or five days of like misery where I'm like so bummed that I can't like scream properly. I should probably be warming up and shit i just like i honestly in my life i've never thought about or had like any kind of training or whatsoever anything i don't even know what to do i mean neither do i all of my shit is shit like all of, actually up. yeah all the shit that i do is just stuff that jake bannon told me about and oh, cool. so i just like and like basically his like his main advice is always like it's like you don't have to be as loud as you think you have to I've be. I've always said that. Yeah. I, fi- yeah. I figured that out like a couple records in. Yeah. You're like, I just not, figured it out with the last record. It's like, try, yeah, yeah, try to scream quietly. And so it's like, and how I've gotten, how I wind up doing that is like, I pra- like I demo stuff, like I demo vocals at home and I've got neighbors. And so I'm trying to keep everything down yeah. to this certain level. And like, if I manage to like make that work, then, then, then whenever I go out and play shows, like I don't blow out. I haven't blown out in tour for like the past, like three or four tours. And your it used voice, to be every time. your voice has always been this type of voice that I think sounds like, like, it's like the classic kind of hardcore voice to me where it's like, literally sounds like you're just like screaming as hard as you fucking can until your voice is just like absolutely blowing into a million pieces. Yeah. And yeah. Like when I, when I did the first full of hell record, I was trying to emulate in all my high school and like middle school bands, I was doing like death metal grindcore kind of discordant saxophone style vocals, but in full of hell, I thought it was like a hardcore band at first. So I was trying to do like a pulling teeth thing, but I was screaming mm. as hard as I could. And it sounded so fucking bad on the first LP that I couldn't even listen to the record ever again. And it wasn't until the second record that I realized that's not even how I'm screaming live. Like I'm not pushing that hard live and it sounds good to me live. So I tried to scream like as I did live. And then as I progressed, I started realizing that my zone was more of like that black metal zone where like, it's all just like retching in your throat and it gives you way more sustain. The volume might be a bit lower, but like you just, you're not doing so much damage to your voice. Your voice literally sounds like a guy, like losing his fucking mind. Like you would lose your voice. I would lose my voice in like three minutes singing. Like, like I imagine you sing. I mean, I, it now like they, and that used to happen to me. Like I used to lose my voice like two days into tour and then it would just be like, it would be fucked for the next like three or four days. And I'd wind up screaming it back. Like it would just kind of, it's so weird. Um, but, but now I've kind of gotten to the point where I've like, I figured out a way to kind of like keep the vibe, but like, 
turn the volume down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's probably and way less stressful in your throat. Way, way, way less. And like, I, it, like, it means like I don't get sick as easily. And that's awesome. You know, all that shit. It's yeah, it's fucking great. So, like, definitely, definitely recommend, rec- like, fucking doing that shit at home, like a little, like you know, a couple of times a week, and. You know, that's, what, that's what, what the one thing that keeps me going. And because I had some concern because we've toured so consistently for a decade, I had some concern that over the pandemic, like not really a literal concern, but like in the back of my head, like, well, wouldn't that suck if I stopped screaming for like over a year? Like, would it just go away? And then what the fuck would I even do? But yeah. we do so many things with Sword Dream and like other side projects and practicing and like remixes that we're doing and whatever, you know that I have a lot of excuses to kind of record vocals. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, I've kind of kept it going. Um, but yeah, man, it's all about like diaphragm. It really is true. Like diaphragm control, breath control. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm less destructive to my throat nowadays, for sure. It's more like now all I'm trying to do is like the most pukey sounds I can do. Like I don't even try to enunciate anymore. I just yeah. want there's like parts of new, the new full of hell where I, I'm just accenting the end of a line, like a line. It only happens a couple of times, but Sam would be like, are you even fucking saying anything? And I'm just like, nah, it doesn't matter. You, <laughs> that was the move for you. And, I've, and this has come up on the show a few times. And I, I'm gl- it's something that I love is this like demystification of fucking like, ex- like extreme vocals and lyrics. And like, it's like, yeah, you know, like, you know, when I write lyrics, like, after I've already recorded them, you know, like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> that's, you, like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a wild style. I can't do that. Yeah. But I, Chip does that too. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'll, I'll like, well, the last record, the last, the last like record and a half, like I actually like wrote songs, wrote lyrics and like made it a point to enunciate. But, you know, I'd say up until through the long walk um, with every, fu- I mean, there was, there was never drunk driver lyrics and like yeah. there sure as shit weren't lyrics like for the first, you know, three uniform records there. Um, I- I'm glad I'm not alone in that because, you know, when we write full of hell songs, this is less of a trend nowadays, of course, but um, I can easily just like freestyle over full of hell songs. And all I'm doing is mouthing the patterns that I want to put in these and really totally. feeling it out. It's all about pattern and tone. And when I demo full of hell songs, a lot of times when I listen to them, I'll just be like, it'll be like, I'll be like, I'll like make up some stupid ass rhythm in my head. Then I take loose blocks of lyrics and mutilate them and make them fit. Yeah. Then I record the demos, but I'm totally making just mouth sounds to figure out how things are even going to sound. Yeah, definitely. Fucking mouth sounds all day. Like it is like, I mean, basically like we like, our stupid job is like more rhythmic than it is melodic. The more extreme the vocals, the more, the less it matters. My friend, Tim from genocide pact always says that that death metal lyrics are death metal lyrics. It's just like a placeholder almost like they don't. I mean, not that they don't matter, but it's just a placeholder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree with chip. Like chip King's voice is so fucking extreme. And just like, so at the end of like what a throat can even make sound wise that like it's i think generally indecipherable i always laugh when i see kids singing along with him at body shows um because i'm just like <laughs> i'm suspicious do you really know what like what his lyrics are 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Does he know? But I'm sure he knows, but the kids don't fucking know. Yeah. He, 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 he definitely knows. He definitely like takes a lot of time and like, you know, works. uh, Yeah. His lyrics are so fucking brutal and beautiful. It's like insane. The, the mind hiding, hiding in there's, he's a poet, man. Um, He really is. Uh, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, do you ever hear about a water? You know what watermeloning is? No. no. We always, at like hardcore shows, I would always like, uh, me and my friends always had this thing. Uh, we would just say that that kid's watermeloning because they're literally just like mouthing watermelon when they don't know the lyrics and they're singing along to a band. They're just going, it just looks like any word, you know? <laughs> yes. I don't know. We used to be able to like pick out the kids that like clearly were just kind of, because I think there was some like social push to be like singing along to all the songs. But then we get kids singing along to like unreleased music and it's just like, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> oh yeah. If you pass on the mic, there's no sound coming out. That's when, and you, you bust them. That's, That's hilarious. Oh God. I need to try that. <laughs> Cause I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's like kids that are singing along to uniform songs and sometimes oh. they know, sometimes they don't. Maybe it it's happens. not as common nowadays. It, it happens still. And it's like, what are you doing? Are you just going like, that's what I'm doing. You know? Well, Fred, do you remember like late two thousands hardcore when it was like super hype, like the beanie shit, like trash talk and ceremony when they were all just like doing that, like X files X style kind of, you know, Yep. I feel like that was like a golden era of like beanie tank top kids, uh, like being really excited about hardcore and almost like overzealously, you know, f- doing shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. saw that shit so much when Full of Hell first started, where it was just like a lot of, just a lot of watermelons, you know, a lot of stage potatoes, a lot of goofy <laughs> juice stepping, you know, moshing to like feedback. Oh know? yeah, <laughs> moshing to feedback. I mean, shit. kids still mosh to noise parts in Full of Hell sets. It's straight up <laughs> hilarious. Oh my god, that's awesome. What are you gonna do? You know, it happens. It, I mean, I, I, rem- I think one of like the most embarrassing moments of my life, I think was, uh, was, was moshing to neurosis. Um, yeah. like right after I broke edge, uh, and I'm like, yeah, fucking like windmilling at people. Uh, like, like, I, like, the, like the first like times of grace performance and oh, way too late, man. You're like a few records too late on that one. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> That's awesome. I, so, did you mosh a lot back in the no. day? Oh, no, oh, back in the day. Back <laughs> That's in what the, I'm talking about. Back yeah, in back the in the day. Yeah, I was one of those like. I moshed too. Yeah, I was. I was one of those like hyper violent, like kind of like Philly dancers, you know. Um, and yeah, that's the scene I thought I was a part of. I didn't. I was not hard, but I like wanted to be, and I would definitely every time that I got into an altercation, it just kind of was like drove it home. Like this isn't for me. I think the last time I moshed really hard was we toured Europe with New Lows like a long time ago. And I really liked New Lows. I think they're a really good band. But I like didn't even hit this guy very hard. I kind of just did that thing where you kind of like fly backwards and push everybody back. Yeah. And he poured a whole beer on my head. And I was just like, what the fuck? And I just remember thinking like, people are not down with getting touched. Like, I'm just going to stop fucking messing with people. Man, I haven't moshed in fucking years. Um, The last time I had like an experience with moshing, though, was I, I, I was at a Converge show, and some like 
I was just kind of like on the outskirts of things, like kind of by like by a doorway. But this this pit kind of opened up close to me, and this guy was kind of like crowd killing back and forth. And he came he came towards me, and he did a fucking like 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 like, like he did a flip on his hands, and like it kicked me in the face. Yeah, and I was just, I was just like sick. I, I was like I I can't believe that this was ever part of my life. <laughs> Dude, the most violent moshing I've ever seen on the planet in any country I've ever been in is in like Central PA and Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, it's like the most animal style fucking psycho shit I've ever seen. Still, and like when I was growing up, Altoona always had lots of shows that I wanted to go see. But the scene was just like really intense, you know? So mm-hmm. like I never personally would go out because I would always be like scared that I would just get my ass whooped, you know, which mm-hmm. probably would have happened. As I traveled, I assumed that I would see that culture elsewhere. But maybe like England's hardcore scene maybe comes close. But mm-hmm. like, you know, I would say Ohio and like PA are like some of the most like fucking hard body, like psycho shows anywhere. It's, it's actually like pretty astounding. Ohio for sure. Fucking, I'd say Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or not, no, I'm sorry, not Lancaster, not definitely not fucking Lancaster. Um, but, um, Allentown, PA for fucking sure. Cause there's like, you got like a, like a lot of fucking dudes with chips on their shoulders. You also still have a lot of skinheads out there. Uh-huh. And so like that shit would always be a bloodbath. And it, it like, it was like really fucked up that and North Jersey, like whenever oh, there that. were, like, like any kind, like kind of like tech crew area back in like the Fury of Five, E Town Concrete days. Like when you go to like shows at like Middlesex County College or like, like fuck. In, yeah, dude, it was fucking ridiculous and like terrifying. Um, and 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 I, and I'm from Philadelphia, uh, so like you know, Philadelphia is not without its 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 charms. Oh, for uh, sure. In, Man, so, I, I grew up on DC, DC moshing. We're polite, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, PA hardcore though, Burdan. You know, you ever heard of uh, Taste the Steel from West PA? Yes, that was like my fucking. Sh- I mean, I still love that band, but that was mm-hmm. like my shit. And it was like that was like to me the scariest shit I'd ever seen pit wise. Mm-hmm. And they had this weird way of playing breakdowns where like the symbols with the crash would be like syncopated with the fucking, like the hits. And it just sounded animal. <laughs> it was like the scariest fucking thing when it was like, sl- when it was like a slam part, it was terrifying yeah. and it was all super political. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought I definitely thought that shit was fucking glorious. Like I was definitely all about it. I think it's that's, cool. That's the old yeah. chokehold move. Yeah. I, re- I that that's a very, uh, like that, that's like a call to like something primal and, uh, and yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's I, wild. I, I definitely get into a mindset when I hear that, when, when I hear that shit, yeah. you know, it's funny when it comes to like DC stuff though, Fred, mm-hmm. I think the second scariest thing that actually, no, no, this might actually be the scariest thing that I've ever seen at a show happened at DC or in DC at the last Wilson center show. The last uh-huh. Wilson's, the last Wilson Center show was 400 years and killed the main questions and some other people, but there was a wedding going on upstairs and a bunch of people went, went to like crash the wedding 
and got kicked out and they came back with machetes. They came back with, with like legit fucking dead ass machetes. And there are these dudes fucking outside the Wilson center, fucking banging machetes against the fucking railing, like screaming. And I was like, I'm like, we're going to die. And it's like, I fucking, it's like, I, it's like, I've seen guns at shows. I've seen fucking like people get hit with brass. I got hit with brass knuckles at a show before. And, um, you know, I've, I've seen all kinds of shit, but like something about machetes being pulled at the wedding upstairs from <laughs> really the show <laughs> from the, yeah. From the fucking emo show. Just like, yeah, it was gnarly. Dude. One time we played wheeling West Virginia. There used to be this bar there called yesterday's. Mm-hmm. And I think it was kind of a gnarly dive, I guess, but it was owned by this guy who was like really fucking cool to bands. And we used to go out there and play before we could like really get booked anywhere. That was like one of the first places that would have us. And I remember going out there and a bunch of kids were moshing super crazy at the show. And this, this like local dude got moshed on and got really mad. And he went out to his car and brought back a fucking crossbow. <laughs> he was like, oh, sick. Straight up ready to shoot some kids with some bolts. And, uh, I mean, I think they, they got the crossbow off him. Uh, uh, you know, I don't think anybody got shot, but I remember thinking like, damn, this guy is, uh, he's ready to go. Yeah, I've never I've never seen a crossbow uh, at a, at a at a show before. Um, That's an Appalachian yeah. equivalent to a machete, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you're you're probably right. I've only seen besides <clears throat> besides like you know like fucking Gordon Soley show and like shit like that. Like I've only seen people doing positive things, like people handing out pizza in the pit. Like that. Yeah, I mean, I love that. Yeah, that, that's generally, what I'm trying to see. That that's some fucking like that that that's some 2000s shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't know if that kind of stuff flies as easily anymore. Like, especially in major cities, I just feel like there's such a push for in- inclusivity now that people just aren't trying to like get giant medical bills. You know, shit happens. I think there's accidents all the time. But like, I was yeah. telling Fred about having glass teeth. Like, I'm not. Tr- trying to get punched in the face i think yeah, i was totally. lose a bunch of teeth uh, i was like not something you know i'm just not interested anymore totally. it's actually yeah. funny speaking of converge i always thought it was interesting they still have that vibe sometimes depending on where they play and the mm-hmm. last time i stage dove was to converge in portugal and i thought like it's cool everybody's cool with this and i ran and i jumped as far as i could and i landed on a ton of people and they were all fucking so bummed out yeah. just like i guess Times have changed. This, yeah. is, this is Converge who collabed with Chelsea Wolf. You know, this isn't, you know, beat each other up, Converge. Yeah. yeah. Different, different world. I'll, the last time I staged Dove, man, like we were on tour with Deaf Heaven. And like it, it was just like it was at a point in the tour where like everybody, there was a lot of camaraderie and everybody was really emotional, you know, like whatever. And we were in Montreal during, uh, during their last song, I like I, I I left my stage potato spot and you know ran out and fucking jumped out as far as I could, whatever. And everybody moved out of the way, and I landed That's fucking I, I like ate <laughs> shit. <And laughs> what a bunch it, of assholes! It hurt so bad. And I'm like I'm like this is I'm like I fucking. I just staged over and didn't get caught during like 
a softer, like like a soft Dev Heaven part. Like, what the, <laughs> f- what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, so do you beef French Canada now? I think it's worthy of it. I, I mean, I think everybody beefs French Canada regardless. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I beef it any more than I did before. Like, it's French Canada. It's, I mean, it, it, they started it. Dude, literally my first experience in Quebec ever we somehow got into Canada and we're broke as fuck. And we go into the McDonald's in Quebec and there was this just like big red dad, you know, like, you know, the kind beer belly and all the whole nine from America in there. (laughs) And he was trying to scream at these girls that I think, I mean, maybe they spoke English. I assume that everybody in Quebec generally speaks English, but he was just fucking screaming at him. Like they didn't speak English. McRib, McRib right there i want the fucking mcgrib he was just like <laughs> losing his fucking mind on these poor like children that were running this mcdonald's and i just remember thinking like that just kind of set the tone for for me how i thought like american quebec quebecois interactions you know were handled i yeah i, I assumed it's hostile <laughs> so you've kept up with that and you yeah, yell at every like, french speaking yeah and i ordered a mcgrib and screamed at them yeah yeah, that's that. That's usually how, that. That that's what I do in in French Canada, definitely. Dude, the food's off the chain up there, though. Big time, big time. I I could live on poutine for as long as I. I'll, I'll never get sick of it. Uh, I would just eat it until it kills me. Yeah, same here, man. I'll even eat like what's not great poutine. Like if they're like that's not the spot for poutine, I'll, I'll still. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah my, I think my. My palate's pretty, pretty basic for poutine. I'll eat any of it. Yeah, me too. I'll tell you what I don't love that I know people truly, truly love. I'm not a fucking Montreal bagels guy. Really? What's the story with the Montreal bagel? They're small and they got a big hole. No, thank you. No, they got yeah. honey and they, they got like a sweetness too. They got like big oh, cool. honey in the water. I don't know. I, I don't particularly, I, I just don't particularly care for it. Oh, I mean, you I guys are in like the bagel capital of the world. Like, yeah. So, I mean, my standard for bagels is like rock bottom. You know, I, I just, I love bagels, but I, I eat like grocery store bagels in central yeah. PA. Yeah. So, you know. I, I can't eat them anymore. Uh, I haven't had a bagel in, in a while. I, they, 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 they make exactly like yeah. I get sick. Oh, you I get sick from it. That sucks. I get, I get sick from it. Yeah. It's too much. I think the only food that that's, you know, like New York quote unquote that I eat a lot of is pizza. I get, I can get a slice once a week at least, you know. Yeah, I love pizza too. Yeah. I, that's another thing though, where my standards are like really skewed. Like I like a good pizza, and I appreciate when I get the opportunity to eat like at some sick ass New York place or something. Yeah. But I also fucking love like Flying J, you know, biscuit uh, oh, yeah. and gravy pizza <laughs> or some fucked up Frankenstein shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I yeah. will totally. butter dive gladly head first into yeah. like the grossest pizza you can imagine. Mm. Yo, we've got a Domino's up the street from us, right? And <laughs> like, I draw the line. Yeah, no, <laughs> Andy and I, like, like my partner and I will will regularly like just get Domino's and we'll get fucking yelled at by people about like, why the fuck would you do that? You live in New York, like you you've got fucking access to this and that. Whatever. Man. It's like I don't fucking always want pizza. Sometimes I want Domino's. Fuck you. Yeah, give me the six dollar Domino's, the trash day. Yeah, yeah. God. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Man. I don't know. Food, food snobbery bums me out, honestly. Like, I'm all down. I, I, that's like one of my things that I love doing when I travel is like eating something special. But I fucking hate food snobs. And I think like 
there's nothing wrong with also being able to revel in the shittiest gas station foods. The shittiest like, gas station foods taste the. Like, I mean, dude, Cinnabon. Yeah, Cinnabon's awesome. Cinnabon, Cinnabon is ob- it's objectively the best food in the entire fucking world. <laughs> the bliss point. It's beyond the bliss point. Yeah, totally. And I mean, there's a fucking spot on the New Jersey Turnpike that has a Cinnabon. And even though it makes <laughs> where I go, for even, a free. <laughs> yeah, dude, even if it, it makes me sick every single time, ruins me for the rest of the day. And I get it every time. And I always fucking will. And I don't care. Like, <laughs> See, that's me with Auntie Anne's um, dude, hot, little hot dog things. Those, those dude, pretzel they're dogs. so bad for you. And they're so good. <laughs> I mean, dude, I, it, it, I get this way with fucking people who are like, you know, like beer snobs or wine snobs. You know, I, I don't get food snobs in general just because I don't like that much food. I uh, like I like the food that I like. I really like, but yeah. I'm a picky eater because I'm an asshole. Right. But when it came to like, you know, like, yeah, like liquor snobs where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, like check out like the, the hints of cherry in this fucking, you know, hundred dollar bottle of fucking of scotch or like, you know, this, like, you know, like, like this, this, this pristine vodka and like, Oh, these wines. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like all of this stuff tastes bad. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, oh, the, oh, this fucking, this beer, you know, bro, let me tell you all about the fucking citrus and this beer. It's like, dude, beer tastes like shit. Like all of it, it tastes exactly the same, but like it's great. And I like vodka, fucking, you know, tastes like burning. And like that's all it is to me burning. And yeah. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Whiskey is like a different kind of burning and like a more flavorful burning. I don't, you're lying and making it up when you say that there's anything different to any of it. That's what I wonder about coffee too sometimes. Like, I can tell when I'm drinking a really, really great cup of coffee. Yeah. Sometimes when I buy these, these roasts and it's like, not sometimes all the time when I buy a roast and it's like hints of peach and chocolate and notes of strawberry and yeah. elderberry. It's just like, I don't know if I'm making it wrong and I'm doing <laughs> pour over too. So it's a gentle, it's like a gentle process, but like, I don't fucking taste the notes of well, whatever. Here's the thing. All right. I'm going to come in hot here on both of you guys. All right. Mm-hmm. So it. like, it's, I mean, it's the same thing as us, you know, like us with, 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 with records. I mean, like how we can listen to band X and like crossed out and say crossed out is the better band. Even they both, even though they both blast and they both have this part and all that. It's right. like with all the palette. Yeah, we don't have the palette. Like I, my ex had the fucking palette. Like she knew all that stuff. I can't do that shit, you know. And yeah. but like, oh, and to say one thing about Berdan. So mm-hmm. I I don't consider myself to be a food snob, but in New York, there's so much good pizza mm-hmm. that I feel like to not go to a good pizza spot when you have the chance is. Is fucked up. At least right? tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, I, I sometimes I like. Let's let's put it this way. Yeah, I don't think of chain pizza places, kind of with the exception of Sabaro. Um, but like, I don't think of like you know Domino's, Little Caesars, fucking Papa John's, whatever. Yeah, the same way. At, like, I don't think of them as like pizza. 
You know, I think of them as <laughs> I think of them as like out, like outside gas station treats and and like yeah, like dude, I. Like, you know, fucking, I, I, you, you know me. How long have you fucking known me for? I like to slum it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Too. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, I respect that. You know, Spencer in full of hell is like the king of slumming it. He'll, <laughs> any day of the week, if you're like, we're going to go to this fucking spot and he'll just be like, I'd rather just get like fried chicken from, you know, my, my old spot, you know, oh, you know our favorite when, thing is that, remember that piece you guys did? For me? Oh yeah, the fast food piece. I mean, that was like the easiest fucking thing those guys have probably ever done. Him and Chase. That's that's like all they do. Yeah. Maybe not yeah. so much anymore. But they just reviewed fast food places for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know one place we fucking love? Um, that bodega across the street from St. Vitus. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those cheesesteaks are fucking awesome. And they're cheap. Just a, just a regular old New York City cheesesteak, that place. Favorite, favorite style. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know about a New York City cheesesteak, but I'll, I'll <laughs> I, 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 I won't kick it out of bed. It's just, I don't know, it's all the fucking same. Who cares? I don't know. I, the thing, the difference between New York fucking cheesesteak and like a Philly cheesesteak is like New York, there's like, a, a mild degree of like health consciousness and like the, like there there's not the general reckless abandon that it takes to like make a Philly cheesesteak where it's just like a vat of fucking oil and slabs of meat and it's just grease and cheese whiz and yeah. like like you need to like just not fucking care in yeah, order to like so and, you know, it, no. it, it, it's the best if you care a little bit and like <laughs> and like you're like you're you're, you're trying to like kind of like dial it down because like you don't like you know yeah. like you like you don't want to make somebody sick like that yeah. then then like yeah it's an acceptable food but like it's just not the same yeah the um what is it um yeah, the New York, the standard New York cheesesteak, I think, is like is like the fucking chopped cheese, which is basically like they'll add um, a, what is that? Oh yeah, goya saison on mm -hmm. it, you know, and no. then like garlic powder on it, and then that's that's the New York style. That sounds fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. it's real good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, New York style tends to have a lot of other things in it, like you know, New York style. Oh yeah, 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 like 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 a regular sandwich. But yeah, that's yeah. like that's like the base of this steak. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I don't know. I I still just fucking get, I, I, <laughs> I I've got I've got a fucking freezer full of like steakums and frozen fucking spinach, and like all I fucking eat sometimes is just fucking loose meat like loose steakums and then i'll fucking make <laughs> stupid like like a dog bro <laughs> dude, I, you know it, that's not the first time anybody said that to me dude i eat straight peanut butter from the jar i buy like oh me too two oh, jars yeah. a week sometimes i eat so i've been eating peanut butter straight since i was a little kid i don't know what it is i fucking love peanut butter and i just eat it so much every day it's probably gonna Delicious. make me fat as fuck someday I can, I, I mean, I do it too. I have like, I, I have two spoonfuls of peanut butter usually for like lunch, you know? Dude. Okay. 
Thank you for making me not feel like a freak. <laughs> uh, no, not a freak at all. I, I, you know, I said that to somebody the other day. I, oh, I was talking to fucking, uh, I, I was talking to Lex and I, I was like, I, I was, I was talking about being on tour with like a mutual friend. And I was like, this guy stole my fucking peanut butter. And like, I saw him fucking doing it. Like after his set, he just grabbed my peanut butter and he started fucking eating it. And he's like, he was like, who eats peanut butter out of the jar? I'm like, I fucking do. Absolutely. It's delicious. What kind of question is that? Yeah. I think like, and I eat, and I switched to like only natural peanut butter, uh, probably like about nine years ago. Uh huh. Just not like some, some really nutritional dude that we were touring with was like, yeah, man, you don't want to be fucking with those hydrogenated oils. And it mm. really so stuck in my brain. And I only ever buy natural peanut butter now, but not like that unsugared shit. I like it when it's like the, you know, like Jif or whatever the hell, like yeah. that, you know, that's my shit. I, I, I get smuckers natural. That's my, that, 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 that's what I do. Smuckers natural crunchy. Then that's my thing, man. How fun is it when we're eventually one of these days going to tour together and fucking it's gonna be so easy. Like it's just going to be like, Hey, we have like the same stupid eating habits and we like the same, com- <laughs> we like the same comic books and tour real easy. I think like, I think I would have problems with Greenberg. He's just like, how like leave some records for the rest of us to produce you know (laughs) like i would i'd probably be like just like kind of overwhelmed with envy but oh greenberg it's chill you know yeah you know greenberg greenberg and i used to come to heads on the road a lot and we no longer do because amazing what happened well you know once sharp kind of entered the picture like there was somebody like there's somebody to break up the tension and you know, like the past couple of tours, like where, where it just like, hasn't just been the two of us kind of feeding off of like each other's negative energy. Yeah. It's, it's been cool. I mean, we still like roll our eyes at each other, you know, but we, of course we generally get along now, you know, which is, which is cool. Me and Spencer used to fight occasionally when tensions would get really high because we both have a lot of anxiety. Um, We just got to a point, I think where we were just, we are too grown to be doing that shit anymore. And, and like, if things get heated, it's not like a, it's like, we're in the heat. We're not heated at each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. The inclusion yeah, of a merch guy was like always such a big deal in general, because I always felt like if you curated it right, the merch guy would bring this like flavor into the van, you know? And, and like, that's why we always took our friend Alex on tour. Cause he was always so funny and pranking everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And he really just brought a, I don't know. You just relieve the tension. It's important like to have somebody like that. Definitely. When you there's need, just two of you guys out there. It's weird. It, it was, it, it was a rough scene when it was just the two of us for sure. Like we would both get fucking resentful towards the other one. The only people that I know who have been able to successfully like tour in close quarters, like as a two piece or been able to like incorporate a van full of like, 10 other fucking people and just been able to get by like are the body, you know? And that's, they're just at a weird level of Zen. Like, I mean, I think a lot of it. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. I mean, they definitely have moments where like they're fucking bummed about whatever situation's going on. But yeah, yeah, you're right. They have this Zen level where it's not like, I mean, they've seen shit. So like this is, you know, odds are the situation is nothing compared to like, you know, 
being stranded homeless in the middle of fucking nowhere with a broken down van or something, you know, whatever yeah. else they've dealt with. They, they, they've, 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 they've seen it all. You know, they're, they've, they've been a band for 20 years. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Metal Matters. Make sure you like or subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. To get the most recent episodes automatically delivered to your phone. Thanks for listening and catch you next week. Follow us on Twitter at Metal Matters Pod and Instagram at Metal.Matters.Podcast.